Welcome to AM Now, where we bring you the trending accounting matters we're following. I'm your host, Adam Olson, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Nicole Harger and Matt Fisser. Each bite-sized episode keeps you and your finance and accounting teams in the know. Join us each week as we unpack these issues, topics, and accounting matters now. From the team that brought you the Accounting Matters podcast, this is AM Now. I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Nicole Harger. Here's what we're following this week. While the crypto asset market last year gave us a volatile ride, the FASB has been fast-tracking their project on the accounting for crypto assets. Recently, the FASB made tentative decisions on transition and adoption and further refined the scope of who would apply the new guidance. These tentative decisions rounded out their viewpoints with past meeting decisions centering on scope, measurement, recognition, and presentation and disclosures. Next up, the FASB is okay the staff to move forward with drafting an ASU on the matter. The issuance of an exposure draft will allow for a 75-day comment period, and many expect the initial exposure draft to be issued sometime in March. Holders of crypto assets will need to follow the project closely, and it appears the FASB is set to get one of their earliest ASUs for 2023 issued soon. In more FASB news, the board continues to make progress on its project over common control lease arrangements. Specifically, in November, the board issued the exposure draft for this project. The proposed standard provides a practical expedient for private and not-for-profit entities, which allows an entity to use the written terms and conditions of a common control arrangement to determine whether a lease exists and, if so, the classification for that lease. The proposed standard also requires leasehold improvements associated with common control lease arrangements to be amortized over the economic life of the leasehold improvement as long as the lessee controls the use of the lease asset throughout a lease. If the lessor has the right to control the underlying asset through a lease with an entity outside of the common control group, the amortization period cannot exceed the lease term associated with the lessor's lease with another entity. If and when the lessee no longer controls the use of the underlying asset, the leasehold improvements are accounted for as a transfer between entities under common control through an adjustment to equity. The comment period for this exposure draft ended January 16th. The board is meeting this month to discuss the comments received. On the SEC front, Registrants will need to apply the SEC's new rule on the recovery of erroneously awarded compensation, otherwise known as the Executive Clawback Rule. This rule was finalized in response to the Dodd-Frank Act, which requires the SEC to direct the national securities and exchanges and associations that list securities to establish their own listing standards that require each issuer to develop and implement a clawback policy to recoup incentive-based compensation that they erroneously awarded to executive officers. As public registrants are evaluating those requirements from this rule, many questions have arisen. In response, the FASB staff recently put forth new compliance and disclosure interpretations on the incentive-based compensation clawback rule. Specifically, the staff addressed clarifications that until registrants are required to have a compensation recovery policy, they are not expected to comply with the rule's disclosure requirements. They also emphasize that the rule is intended to apply broadly to incentive-based compensation, including amounts contributed to any sort of plan, 
other than tax-qualified retirement plans, and any related accrued earnings based on erroneously awarded incentive-based compensation. And further, they explain which persons specifically are considered named executive officers for purposes of applying the clawback disclosures. Each exchange is required to have listing standards that incorporate the new requirements effective no later than one year following publication of the final rule in the Federal Register, which lands on November 28, 2023. From there, issuers must be compliant within 60 days of the exchange's listing standards being finalized and effective. Details of this information are available on the SEC's website. And that's it for this week. For a deeper dive into what's trending in accounting and finance, check out our sister podcast, Accounting Matters. Again, I'm Adam Olson. And I'm Nicole Harger. Thanks for listening to AM Now. We'll see you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series, and it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant subsequent authoritative guidance issued.